John Calvin famously said, when God wants to judge a nation, he gives them wicked leaders. If that's the case, and I believe that it is, that means Canada is fully under the judgment of God, which I believe that it is. In Proverbs 28, we read things like this. When a land transgresses, it has many rulers. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked. Evil men do not understand justice. Whoever misleads the upright into an evil way will fall into his own pit. A ruler who lacks understanding is a cruel oppressor. In today's episode, we want to highlight the kinds of leaders we have in Canada, from mayors to provincial leaders, all the way up to our prime minister. Canada has wicked leaders, and our country is suffering because of it. Now, what's the silver lining? Well, the enemies of God are out in the open with their schemes on full display for all to see. The Lord has given his people in Canada an opportunity to engage in politics and culture for the glory of God and for the good of our nation. More and more people see our corrupt rulers for who they are, and it is inspiring us to be faithful and principled people. It's August 3rd. I'm Andrew DiBartolo, and it's Revenge of the Ginger Sith, because that's Matt Halleck. Welcome back, buddy. Hey, this is Liberty me. Dispatch. Hey, hey, and welcome back to Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. We are so thankful that you have joined us yet again on the program. We always like to remind you that our shows are brought to you in partnership with Liberty Coalition Canada and Christian Week. LCC exists to establish Christ's justice and righteousness in our nation and defend those who stand. And Christian Week exists to give a balanced, hope-filled picture of and perspective on news and culture in our current culture. So, we also want to ask that if you do appreciate our programming, that you would consider please leaving a donation to us, libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate. You can scan that helpful QR code. It really does help us continue to bring you news and analysis from a uniquely Christian perspective and uncompromising analysis. It allows us to raise the red flag on initiatives like this rainbow faith and freedom rainbow mafia. I mean, could they make us seem any more <laughs> honest and truth telling when we, even when we speak in hyperboles, it comes true. So it allows us to do these things for you to see. It exposes the darkness in our nation to great light, which we are all about on this show. Also, we are on the FLF network, the fight, laugh, feast network.com FLF network.com. That's how you can check us out. They also have a handy app over there as well, which you can get at the Google play in the Apple app store. So you can get all the wonderful content on that network. Also, finally, Andrew, we would just ask people to uh, reach out to us directly at mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com with any comments, questions, or concerns. And we actually have a long overdue mailbag episode coming at the, our segment coming at the end of this episode. So we would ask that you tune in for that uh, because it's always fun to get to answer your questions and hear your feedback. 
Yeah. So in terms of a question, I'm curious to hear, should we care whether or not particular elected officials go through separations and divorces? Does that matter? Should we care? Does that affect us? Is that newsworthy? Curious to hear. Some people might say, listen, as long as someone can govern the nation and not spend us into oblivion and not get us into wars, I don't care about their personal life. This was the argument that many made with regard to Bill Clinton in the United States. Mm. It doesn't matter if he's having all these affairs and allegedly raping these women. As long as he can do a good job with the country, his personal life is irrelevant. Is that the position we should take? Or should mm. we say, eh, what happens in personal life does matter? Email us, mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com. Curious to know. One little piece of uh, upkeep update as well. You can now donate to LCC and Liberty Dispatch through Bitcoin donations. Our friends at Bull Bitcoin have worked together to help us have a Bitcoin mm -hmm. donation right on our website. So when you go to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate, you scroll all the way to the bottom and you have th it says there are three other ways to give by check, by e-transfer and then by Bitcoin. So what you do Excellent. is you select how many dollars Canadian you want to donate. And it'll convert it into Bitcoin and you can donate to us anonymously, which I've had a number of people reach out saying we want to support the work you're doing, but we want to do so completely anonymously because we can't do, you know, we can't send cash in the mail. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, it's not really anonymous because I still have to convert my bank account money into Bitcoin. However... Our friends at Bull Bitcoin have beaten you to that punch. And <laughs> of just a couple have. months ago, just a couple months ago, they have given you the opportunity. You can purchase Bitcoin by cash at Canada Post. You don't need ID. You can go and you can buy Bitcoin by cash at Canada Post and have it transferred mm -hmm. wherever you want. So there's that option. And then you can also donate to us by Bitcoin anonymously on our website so a little bit of upkeep there for you we'll be talking about that more and more in the weeks to come what if there was a way to trade your resources and skills for whatever things you need and want without using money that's exactly what we have with barter it a web app where anyone can connect person to person and barter with each other you don't have to keep track of who owns what and you won't get the headaches that come with straight one-on-one -on -one bartering. Just create your profile on the Barterit web app, offer up your skills or products to earn bits in your private wallet, and use those bits with anyone else in the Barterit community. $1 Canadian is equal to one bit for valuation purposes. Head over to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash barter and click on Barterit for individuals to learn more and sign up today. We would encourage you to become a VIP now before the official launch and get $1,500 worth of perks and bonuses, including 1,000 bits. So that's $1,000 to spend in the community for only $197. So head over to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash barter. Join the community today. A good number of our elected officials and unelected bureaucrats are either evil, corrupt, lawless, mm -hmm. or, or some kind of combination of the three. Now, there are a few exceptions, and I'm willing to recognize and honor those very few exceptions, mm -hmm. specifically people who are kicked out of caucus because they're principled. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. But at all levels of Canadian civil government, basically they're swamps. They're swamps full of swamp creatures. Now, sometimes swamp creatures receive justice. Others, they continue to grow more and more beastly. So we want to spend a little bit of time in today's episode and looking at a mix of those together, looking at a mix of what's going on within all levels of Canadian swamp politics. Now, one of the biggest stories that broke just this last week on July 31st was the court of the King's Bench of Alberta rendering a decision regarding the public health measures imposed by now former chief medical officer for health of, of health for Alberta, the Sith Lord Dina Hinshaw. If you remember, under her health mafia, friends of ours like Pastor James Coates and Pastor Tim Stevens were arrested for gathering their churches to meet during what was essentially the equivalent of a moderate flu season with masks, lockdowns, and other measures that did absolutely nothing. Well, they were punished for it by Dina Hinshaw. Now, in this decision on the 31st, Justice Romaine's decision invalidates the public health measures. The Alberta court struck down these lockdown measures because they were effectively issued by the cabinet rather than by Dr. Hinshaw, who testified at trial that politicians were the final decision makers and she merely provided advice and recommendations. In other words, she didn't want to be responsible for these lawless and unscientific mandates, so she passed the buck on to other elected officials saying, you make the decision and you go get the people in trouble and I'll just make recommendations. Well, it turns out that's not the way it works, that if she's the chief medical officer for health, these are her decisions to make. So a lot of passing of the buck going on here. Absolutely, Andrew. And isn't that indicative of what t- took place throughout the pandemic? If you're in Manitoba, Ontario, whatever, the politicians were saying, well, it, we're just merely t- working uh, on advice of the medical professionals. And the medical professional said, we're not the politicians. So it's amazing how demonstrative these people were in their actions. But when it came to accountability, how quick they were to pass the buck on to other people to escape that accountability, that responsibility that is due to those who have been given great authority. Anyways, continuing on. The Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom, the JCCF, friends of ours, had this to say about the decision. Quote, In this court action, the Alberta government produced no comprehensive studies, reports, or data analyzing lockdown harms. None. Zero. They just didn't report it without any comprehensive cost benefit analysis justice barbara romaine nevertheless concluded that lockdowns were justified violations of charter freedoms because they produced more good than harm how she made that decision well i guess she was divining or whatever in April 20, 2022, Hinshaw was cross-examined about what expert information she had at the, the time that the, these public health decisions were being determined. Dr. Hinshaw was specifically asked whether she was aware of any evidence of harms to elementary school children from being compelled to wear masks. Under oath, she said no. Quote, yet the court's ruling in another case, 
the CMV Alberta, has revealed that Dr. Hinshot did receive information about how children could be harmed by mandatory masking, the JCCF said. Quote, a February 7th, 2022 memo sent to Premier Jason Kenney on which Dr. Hinshaw was copied stated that masks can disrupt learning and interfere with children's social, emotional, and speech development by impairing verbal and nonverbal communication, emotional signaling, and facial recognition goes on to quote significant injustice has taken place in the past three years under these draconian health measures said john carpe president of the jccf quote we are hopeful this ruling will mean the withdrawal of charges against pastor coates fairview baptist church Ty Northcott and other courageous citizens who refuse to comply with unjust, utterly unscientific measures. Justice Romaine's conclusion is as follows. In summary, I find that the impugned orders are ultra vires or outside the authority of the one who has made them section 29 of the public health act in that final decision makers were the cabinet and committees of cabinet rather than the cmoh which is hinshaw the chief medical officer of health uh, or one of her statutorily authorized delegates so that's kind of a decision that procedurally said things weren't handled according to law, therefore things didn't work out. But Andrew, it is concerning to say, oh, the charter was clearly violated, but it falls within the limitations mm -hmm. clause because I think it does. What the judge basically said was if Dr. Hinshaw had brought the orders down herself, it'd be mm -hmm. fine. Yeah. So it's it's kind of good news in the sense that hopefully this means the dropping of charges for some of our friends. Mm -hmm. But it's bad news in that the precedent that's been set by this judge is as long as the right tyrant makes the decision, <laughs> calls the shots. Yeah, it's fine. But when the when the wrong tyrant makes the decisions, it's not so fine. So and I'm assuming, Andrew, I'm assuming th there might be discrepancies and disparities um, in who has to make that final decision legally based on the jurisdiction of that decision being mm -hmm. made. I'm not sure if it's the same from province to province, but that's that's what people have to understand. It's a little confusing because it sounds like a good news story, but there's also some bad news yes. wrapped in there. And, and, and that's what this we is why it's all this is why it's all a swamp. Because yeah. everyone is trying to, everyone is blaming someone else. Mm -hmm. So Kenny, Kenny is saying, "Well, th it's they're they're Hinshaw. all like Adam and Eve, they're all Adam and Eve in the garden, yeah. right?" Yeah. So Kenny exactly. is saying, "No, it's not me. Yeah. It's the woman. It's the chief medical officer you gave me. She's mm -hmm. the one that told me to do this." And then she's saying, "Well, it wasn't me. It was the it was the, it's the politician's decision to make." So then they go to the judge and they're like, "What do you think?" We're like, "Well, I can't make this decision." Uh, the charter and then but it's really she's right. So no one is willing to say this is definitively wrong or right and own up and take responsibility. No one is. They're all everyone just like, let's 
let's sweep it under the rug and pretend it didn't happen mm. and not well, take any responsibility. So it's, it's I just want to push back for one second because I wish that were entirely the case. But when it comes to justice for Maine, I think, and this is indicative of so many judges across our land, she turns herself into basically the judge of whether something's right or wrong because the, listen the limitations clause is a no good very bad clause yeah. it basically gives the government carte blanche to roll over our freedoms because you'll actually see in many bills that are passed they'll they'll put out declarations that um that this bill potentially uh, infringes on these various charter rights and freedoms. But then they kind of always have the limitations clause, the feds to, to use as a cudgel to knock back people's freedoms. We talked about this a lot in the program um, and it, but even then there is a test that's trying to make historically has tried to make the limitations clause less vague and less subjective to each judge. And that's the RV Oaks test. And it has three components, but it's interesting to see that. Um, and it has to fulfill all those components to be justifier, demonstrably justifiable. That's actually the burden of evidence being on the government in infringing on these rights. But it seems to me that judges just really make things up as it goes because you're seeing in this case, they couldn't provide any evidence of the the cost-benefit analysis of lockdowns mm -hmm. that would support their case. Yet, the judge defers to the government. And that's what we're right. seeing... Over yeah, and that's, and what I meant, that's what I meant, the passing the buck, yes. that the judge was basically saying, listen, I'm not going to be the one to definitively say yes. these mandates were right or wrong. That's mm -hmm. that's the chief medical officer of health. That's their purview. That's their world. Um, it's so, yeah. Anyway, no one wants no, to totally. take responsibility yes. for this. Now, so that's, again, it's kind of good news, but sets a precedent that's not the greatest news. Here's a little bit of not so great news. Because we need to know what's going on in our country. We need to understand how our leaders are misbehaving. So the Saskatoon City Council has decided to spend $612,000 on, quote, corporate equity, diversity, and inclusion projects in the 2022-2023 budget. Now, this spending included approximately $35,000 for renaming John A. McDonald Road, the first prime minister of Canada, to Mio Wakatoan Road. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. If if I didn't, let me know. So they want to change John A. McDonald Road to Mio Wakatoan Road, which means good relationships in Cree. Yes, that is little old Saskatoon with a population of just under 300,000 people spending 600000 of taxpayer money to make Sask Saskatoon more woke, more racist, and more Marxist. That's on the municipal level. Let's keep moving around here. Deputy prime hypocrite Christia Freeland also made news while she was trying to virtue signal how hard she's been working to save our environment and be, a, be climate change conscious. This is what she said to reporters recently. Quote, I right now am an MP from downtown Toronto. 
another reason, by the way, to get out of Toronto, get you and everyone you love out of that wretched city. So I'm an MP from downtown Toronto. A fact that still shocks my dad is I don't actually own a car because I live in downtown Toronto. I'm like 300 meters from the nearest subway. I walk, I take the subway, said Freeland. I make my kids walk and ride their bikes and take the subway. It's actually healthier for our family. I can live that way, close quote. So a virtue signaling. Look at what we do. We walk. We don't have a car. We're saving the environment. Except for the fact that expense accounts revealed that Christia Freeland uses a government-issued car and chauffeur in Toronto. Expense records indicate that Freeland has used a chauffeured car on 14 occasions over the past two years to attend meetings and events in Toronto, so in the same city. The most recent chauffeur trip took place on March 6th. According to the records, Freeland also uses government airplanes to travel within Ontario, even when there were other public transportation options, right? The, the amount of jet fuel burned in the atmosphere by planes is egregious, right? To the climate conscious person. She could have taken the train, which is way better. She could have take, rented an electric vehicle, but nope. She got to take the plane, even when there were other options. On January 23rd, 2022, Freeland chose to book a flight from Ottawa to Hamilton, even though a via rail train was available for the same route. Now, just so we're clear, okay, Ottawa to Hamilton is about a five hour drive. It's <laughs> not that bad. I no. would rather, I would rather, so if, if you're going to be climate conscious, if I'm, if I'm a green Nazi, then I would say, well, better that you would spend taxpayer money taking the 407, take the express mm. route, rent a hybrid, take the express route, then booking a flight and burning all that jet fuel. But of course, even as she tries to virtue signal, she face plants gloriously into her own hypocrisy. Well, and Andrew, people have to understand this virtue signaling is for a purpose. She's trying to say, this is what we do. Therefore, implying this is what you should do mm -hmm. as families. Must do. Must do. <laughs> well, it, it starts as should, and then it becomes must very quickly. We've seen I that. should book flights from Ottawa to Hamilton. <laughs> that's That's fair. But but that's the thing. But meanwhile, she has all these special government planes and chauffeurs that she can take at taxpayer expenditures. That's, it's the same hypocrisy when they say, we don't like guns. Guns are bad. You shouldn't own guns. I don't own a gun. Never mind the 10 <laughs> armed private security guards around yes. me with fully automatic weapons pay no pay no attention yeah. to the private security behind the green curtain don't and, own a gun and oh fine you, <laughs> you don't have to own a gun because yeah. i'm paying for your armed guards it's <laughs> yeah. not necessarily the case with me absolutely absolutely so crazy hypocrisy but that's par for the course right communists do this right mm -hmm. the rules are different for the specials for those in close proximity to the halls of power the rules are very different anyways rounding out our stories is this story again about our evil rulers in canada and it's a look at our new heritage minister pascal 
Saint-Ange, who says she will pick up where Pablo Rodriguez, that drunk, left off and move full steam ahead with the inane bills that the Trudeau regime is trying to put into effect. Rodriguez, if you remember, was the architect and biggest advocate for bills C-11 and C-18. It's interesting that they move them out of that as soon as both of them are passed, right? The online censorship bills that we have talked about many times on the program. According to the Globe and Mail, St. Ange said that there will be no compromise with tech giants despite bringing a fresh face to the role. She's tough. She's ready to beat a tyrant and just squash these big tech companies with insane bills. That will harm the Canadian public. Quote, our government is joining to keep standing or is going to keep standing our gr- ground, said St. Ange. Canadians expect ty- tech giants to pay their fair share. Echo- echoing Rodriguez. We've touched on this in the past. That is nonsense. It is not the fiduciary responsibility of tech giants to pay for the development of Canadian news culture and content. That is absolutely inane and absurd. I don't blame them for not wanting anything to do with this. But anyways, while we're on the topic, there was a bit of a shakeup in Trudeau's federal cabinet recently. And we wanted to highlight that as well as we're talking about unjust rulers. Seven ministers got the boot from Trudeau in the past two weeks. The seven ministers who were dropped are former public safety minister Marco Mendocino, former justice minister David Lametti. These are all all the people that had serious scandals. (laughs) Former transport minister Omar Omar El Gabra, who was terrible, um, just totally destroyed Canadian's transportation system. Former mental health and addictions minister Carolyn Bennett, former fisheries minister Joyce Murray, former president of the Treasury Board Mona Forche, and former public services and procurement minister Helena Jackses. Jackazek. Jackzek? Jackzek. I think it's Jassik or Jassik. 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 There you go. Jassik is good. Or Jassik. That works too. Yeah. My Eastern European uh, pronouncements. Why why don't you... So you've said these are big names and these are names that have been embroiled in scandal. Huge names. Help our audience understand a little bit who are some of these players. And as you said, it's quite curious that some of the ministers that were the most criticized by conservatives for sure but even liberals i mean even mendicino with the with the gun stuff even even indigenous mm-hmm. people came hard and even yeah. jagmeet singh almost broke party lines so mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about some of these uh, some of these ministers help our audience understand why it's such a big deal that these are the ones that have gotten the boot yeah well i think first of all it is it's a tacit admission that we were kind of right to criticize them. But anyways, Algabra, who I mentioned recently, came under intense scrutiny during the COVID-19 so-called pandemic when his minister barred, ministers barred unvaccinated Canadians from bordering, boarding planes and trains for both domestic and international travel. Bennett suffered backlash when, in arguing in favor of Canada's ever-expanding euthanasia program, admitted that those who provide the lethal services are, quote, trained to eliminate people who are suicidal 
Whoa. Anyways, Mendicino and Lametti have both been publicly condemned several times, particularly for their roles in the invocation of the Emergencies Act against the anti-mandate freedom convoy. Mendicino was also the target of a bipartisan pushback for his key role in the gun legislation that you just mentioned, uh, Andrew, um, to ban guns from law-abiding Canadian citizens. So yeah, it's a lot of controversy over Bill C-21. Really quick, it was initially framed as a, we're going to ban handguns, and yes. then it became and shotguns and a lot of semi-automatic rifles, yeah. mm-hmm. and then the backlash came, and then they had to pull those two things yeah. away. Yeah, uh, exactly. I, actually, if, if I can ask a second question of our audience, mm-hmm. it would be this. Why do you think these seven ministers were let go? Like, what do you think is going on here? So I'll, I'll give an answer. I asked a friend of mine who is quite savvy in the realm of politics. He kind of he swims in these circles. I asked him, what do you think is going on? And he said that his belief, based on conversations, is that they needed to shake up some of the people in terms of who's running and who's being represented in which ridings, that if there are certain ridings where they're underperforming or they want to shift around and have someone, that by taking these people out of official cabinet position, they can be placed to run in different areas so to help secure a victory at the next election, that mm-hmm. by removing them and then shaking things around, you allow better people to perform in the areas and the ridings where you need it. I think there might be some truth to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously... Our prime minister isn't one who's quick to repent and admit he was wrong. (laughs) So there's a lot of speculation. So I'm curious, again, if I could ask a second mailbag question, why Mm. do you think that these seven ministers were let go or who, you know, that some of them have said they voluntarily resigned, whatever? Why do you think the shakeup, what do you think is going on? What's the play here? Mm. Um, Email us, mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com. Tell us what you think. Yeah, it has led for a lot of people, Andrew, to kind of speculate whether or not there is an election coming because, you know, these shakeups tend to happen when, yeah, they want to kind of move the ball, move the target away from some of these ministers who have. You know what? Maybe, maybe they let, maybe Pablo Rodriguez was out because he needed the time to actually go get a haircut. And I think (laughs) now, now that, now that he's, now that he's done censoring news for canadians mm-hmm. he can finally take the time he needs to go because you know what this makes sense because newsflash he needs a haircut he didn't get that news right because it was yeah. because facebook banned from facebook. He, yeah facebook banned the news it was <laughs> guess what newsflash you need a haircut so now finally someone said listen we're not going to share it on facebook we'll share the article directly with you and the email <laughs> yeah. to him was like oh wow i've missed this news because of the bills i passed it's yeah. time to get a haircut so now he can go he can clean right and get a haircut he can get a job maybe that's I mean, maybe that's I think, why I think he would just even be helped by washing his hair once or twice. Like the, <laughs> once or that, twice. That, that, that could like do do wonders for a man with long so, hair like that. So so side note here, I've heard that as a man using shampoo lots and regular is actually bad for your hair. I've been hearing this now. It's it's not so good that you get rid of you get rid of all the natural oil. Like you, you get rid of all those natural oils. I don't know when we became a a, a, a health and beauty expert show, but. I mean, hey. I'm I'm a handsome man, so I can speak to this with authority. At yes. least that's what my yeah. at least that's what my wife tells me. But in, yeah. in any event, I've heard sure. that the excessive shampoo washing takes the oils out that are good. And I've also heard, if I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on just for a minute, 
that a lot of the healthcare beauty products that men use on the regular actually have a way of increasing estrogen and speeding up the process of hair loss. So yeah. I'm not, I can't validate anything, but all that to say, you're throwing um, it out there. <laughs> I'm just saying maybe yeah. he doesn't wash his hair with shampoo because he doesn't want to go bald. I don't know. But well, he's anyways, got a lot of hairs, so yeah, I mean, just, maybe he's onto something. If anyone is looking to hire a health and beauty expert, Pablo's your guy. <laughs> well, give me a call. I'm an expert in the in the area. Okay, yeah. Let's move on. Talking about our government here, it appears that our federal government's response to economic difficulties has been to print money until it's worthless, driving up the cost of everything, essentially stealing from your hard-earned pay. I was filling up today. Gas was one sixty nine. Nine nine, unbelievable. They also, the government that is, wants to monitor your spending by way of a centralized digital currency, and control you by way of digital ID. So here's what you need to do: you need to take control of your own resources and be responsible for your own money. And Bull Bitcoin wants to help you do just that. Bull Bitcoin is a 100% self-funded, freedom-minded Canadian Bitcoin exchange that wants to protect your financial freedom and help you protect your resources. If you're at all aware of what's going on in our country, you should seriously consider connecting with our friends over at Bull Bitcoin. And they are good friends. I had an hour-long conversation. This isn't a part of the ad read. But earlier today, we were talking about kind of future partnerships. I had an hour-long conversation with two of the guys from Bull Bitcoin. We were just sitting and talking about what's happening in Canadian politics, speculating, laughing. These are good dudes that actually care about good things in Canada and want you to be responsible for your money and want you to live as a free citizen. So connect with our friends over at Bull Bitcoin. You can sign up at mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC. Have all of your questions answered by a person, by the way. If you email them or message them, you will have a person respond back to you. And a person who loves freedom as much as you do. That's mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC. Well, the big news of the week. We weren't planning on covering this today, except that the no. internet blew up yesterday. Mm -hmm. And that is that Justin Trudeau and his wife, Sophie Grégoire, have decided... <laughs> That was very fancy, Andrew. That Greg, was, wow. You have you, to. I mean, you practice that. Well, because there's an accent over the E, right? Yes, but not in the yeah. documents. Sophie Gregoire have announced. That was that was a little too much. I think that was a little too Beauty and the Beast. Sophie Gregoire. Yeah. Have announced. Be. Let's move on. Have announced that after 18 years of marriage, they have decided to legally separate. They said they arrived at this decision, quote, after much thought and careful consideration, close quote. Now, this appears to be the opposite of the image that they've projected of their relationship, which should be a reminder. It's a little side note. Please don't believe everything that people and couples say on social media. It might be a wild projection or a deception. And just for what it's worth, in my anecdotal experience, usually the couples that are over the top gross about how amazing their marriage is and how happy they are. Maybe not so much. Just I could be wrong, but from what I see, when people make sure to let you know how happy they are and how wonderful everything is, they might be covering up for something and it helps them to put a shield up so that you don't see what's actually going on. It's a little bit of 
Dr. Andrew's psychology. This was posted on Trudeau's Instagram. Quote, Justin and I would like to share the fact that after many meaningful and difficult conversations, we have made the decision to separate. As always, we remain a close family with deep love and respect for each other and for everything we have built and will continue to build. That last sentence makes absolutely no sense. None whatsoever. We're a close family with deep love and respect. We just can't live with each other anymore. We just can't be married anymore. That's, that is, that's, that's jello. That's a jello statement that makes no sense. Now, the counter signal has this paragraph in their article that we've linked to, and I think it's important for us to consider. Quote, Despite the couple's plea for privacy, some question whether Trudeau can effectively juggle the duties of his office amidst personal turmoil. His leadership has been questioned before for his handling of various domestic issues and international affairs. This separation announcement raises further doubts about his ability to lead the nation effectively during trying times. Close quote. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Now, many have speculated that there were issues all the way back in 2020 when Sophie and Justin were separated because of COVID. Right. He had to isolate and she took the kids to Quebec and they never actually really came back together. There were people saying, and I was one of them, they've been apart and they're not back together. Like, why are they like eventually you get better from COVID, right? Like it goes away. Now, it appears that COVID was a convenient opportunity to be apart as COVID was a convenient opportunity for many things to happen in our country. It's also worth noting that Justin Trudeau is the first prime minister to go through a separation and divorce while in office since Pierre Trudeau and his wife Margaret separated in 1977 and then later divorced in 1984. That is quite the curious bit of Canadian trivia. Now, here's the question, and I asked this question at the beginning of our episode. Who cares? Why are we even talking about this? Mm-hmm. Like, is this really new? Like, we're are a we, show. Are we People Magazine or something? Yeah, we talk <laughs> We talk about what's happening in the social, political, cultural realm as it relates to freedoms and liberties and expanding the kingdom of God and pushing back against the darkness. Matt, why does this matter? Should we even care about this at all? Well, I, I mean, I think, biblically speaking, the answer is a, a simple and unequivocal yes, right? Um, when it comes to being able to be fruit inspectors, to be able to judge somebody's ability to lead and guide and shepherd and steward and and fulfill those leadership obligations, the chief institution by which we know men are capable of leading is the household. That's why the Bible makes very clear in Timothy and in Titus that the primary responsibility, the training ground for leadership within the church institution is the household. And if you cannot lead your household well, if you cannot guide your household well, then you are not equipped to be a leader. And though that is specifically regarding church leadership, I think it's a principle that we have to understand is applicable in life because If you cannot lead the most important institution which you've been given direct authority over, 
in which you have, because of that authority, a great responsibility to, how can you effectively lead bigger institutions? If you cannot lead the most direct, the most core and, you know, um, you know, nuclear aspect of your leadership. If you can't fulfill those duties, then you're not equipped to lead other people. And that it has been Andrew, why it has been a scandal in the past to see leaders of countries go through marital breakups, not because we want to be prying eyes and be inappropriate and gossipers and slanderers, but because there is something that is indicative about being able to manage one's own household and one's own marriage while leading the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that There's is been a, lot of hubbub, so a, lot of, a lot of hubbub in social media and someone, you know, I I'd posted some stuff and someone said, who cares about his personal life? And, and I responded back. There are certain character traits and skills that one has to have or develop or be strong in in a marriage and in a family that translate well into governance and where they're lacking in a family might also be lacking in governance. I said things like patience, mm-hmm. things like self-control, like conflict resolution, mm-hmm. things like a good kind of compromise when it's needed. How about how about selflessness? Yeah. How about the ability absolutely. to put the needs of other people above your own? Mm-hmm. How about faithfulness and commitment? Yeah. So mm-hmm. these are all these are all traits and these are all skills that you have to learn and develop. And mm-hmm. if you can't exercise these in your own family, yeah. then who are we to think that you will be able to exercise these as a leader yeah. when arguably in a leader your your patience will be tested? even more so than in the home yeah. right your the, the 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 appeal right or the 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 temptation to corruption and greed and selfishness and no self-control are great when you have that kind of power that kind of wealth at your disposal mm-hmm. so if you if you give into these temptations in the family and you fail then we we can have little to no assurance that you will be able to now magically be a virtuous mm-hmm. and honest person when you're given the reins essentially of a country to lead. And, and I, and I want to point out, um, you know, I was, I'm very discouraged. I think perhaps Donald Trump did maybe break conservatives in having high standards as far as, um, the character of their leaders. Listen, I understand that sometimes you need a Jehu, Who's you know personally not all that respectable, not all that righteous, not all that godly, but understands the time and is going to fight the na- uh, the the requisite battles of the day, and, and tear down the ashram and 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 do all those things. But that shouldn't cause us to lower our standards. We mm-hmm. shouldn't look at Jehu's. To be yeah, it's, it's the descriptive. Norm. It's descriptive. It should not become prescriptive. No, exactly, and 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 that's a little bit of my concern because, uh, you know, even we I kind of talked. Uh, Mike Clark, uh, uh, he posted a kind of uh, a survey, kind of just getting the, the the feelings of people in his in his realm. Like, what do you think of the this upcoming Republican primary? Who are you with, Trump or DeSantis? And there was like this weird 
like kind of idolatry to Trump and his personality that came out along with a lot of real nihilism and neither of those things I like to see because neither of them are principled and that's the concern that I have it's like guys I get it I'm not I'm not John Piper saying it's more important to be a nice guy than stop the destruction of millions of pre-born children. So you better vote for the guy you like in Joe Biden, despite him being a despicable liar and a corrupt politician, whatever. He has the perception of being nice. Don't worry about the fact that they're radically pro-abortion. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying this stuff does matter. And listen, it matters for us too we ought to adopt these standards we ought to say to ourselves as fathers as mothers am i capable of leading institutions not because i just want to but because have i evidence that those qualities based off of the bible to step into that role to take on that responsibility and that's what i really want to get across to people is with great responsibility with that authority or sorry with with great authority and power comes responsibility comes the fact that you have to take ownership of those levels of government the reason we have wicked rulers the reason we have corrupt rulers and the reason why donald trump seems the best in a whole corrupt lot even despite his personal foibles and all sorts of evidences in his life that he is not the ideal leader is because we as a society have lowered our standards so much that we don't care about this stuff that we don't, we're not able to see that this is indicative of a pattern in somebody's life. Now we don't know the whole story, but, and if we're going to talk about Trump for a sec, just, just so we're clear for, for as much as everyone loved the pit bull Trump, maybe, maybe some of the things that were lacking in him, Mm-hmm. are the reason why he didn't have the spine to stand up to Fauci and Burks and do what must be done with COVID because yeah. the project warp speed and the, the, the poison in the arms that, that are the COVID jabs and really the, the, the mandates themselves and the whole COVID response, mm-hmm. he, he, he is, he was the, the head of that. And yes. if he had, if he had the kind of integrity to stand up to the swamp and say, we're not going to do this, perhaps he would have perhaps dr scott atlas wouldn't have been kicked off the covid task force mm-hmm. but would have been made the head of the covid task force for yeah. example or maybe if trump had the kind of integrity that he did he wouldn't be the kind of pro lgbt president that he is the first president ever mm-hmm. to march in the pride parades i believe and 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 support lgbt stuff even in his campaigning so this stuff does matter. Yeah, this, it's not. It doesn't just. We, we shouldn't just look at. Does he spend less money and does he not get us into needless wars? I mean, these are important things. Yeah, but a person's character when they're put in a position to govern, it kind of matters. Now, I'm yeah. not. I'm not saying that I. I wouldn't have voted for Trump. I'm not saying that. No, I'm saying I that when you have yeah. when you have seven swamp creatures. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, vote, vote, vote for the one that's least scaly. I don't know, but yeah. But all I'm saying is we do we there, we need to really consider a person's character and integrity in the home, right? Mm. A, um, as a man is as a husband and father in the home, mm-hmm. so he is in all other areas as well. Yeah. And you cannot detach the two. No, exactly. And the Bible makes that extraordinarily clear. They, it, it does. And I'm sorry if that's inconvenient, but that's also what I want to drive home. 
I get it, guys. Like I, like we're saying, we're all sorts of caveats. I get why in those specific times, at that specific moment, you would vote for a Trump. But that cannot be the standard by which we judge all things. And it's amazing to me, too, the, the fact that, again, this is the discouraging part. We can't be pragmatists. We can't be those who jettison our principles whenever we think it's politically expedient because God does not honor that type of behavior. If you want God to bless a nation, start acting righteously and don't use unjust weights and measures. And that's why I want us to become better fruit inspectors and use an objective standard, the objective standard of God's word to judge the adequacy of our leaders. And if we hold them to a higher standard and we demand that standard aggressively, we're going to start seeing people, though they might never you know ultimately the 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 archetypical leader is christ though all human beings fall short of that that's the standard which we want to call leaders too um but nevertheless it's amazing mm-hmm. to me when i call say unjust weights and measures when in the conversation between desantis and trump it's like oh Jeb Bush supports DeSantis. Therefore he's a, a member of the deep state. Therefore he's a corrupt politician. Meanwhile, Trump did all the things that you just talked about during COVID. And it's like, if you look at the fruit, if you inspect the fruit of both the guys, DeSantis was ruthlessly efficient at governing. The first stimulus package of trillions of dollars that came under the leadership of President Trump. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So here's, so, a, here's a little bit of socialism under Trump. No, exactly. Exactly. And that's that's a part of when I say we can't be pregnant. Donald Trump, I get it. He fought the battles and that's why you love him. And that's why I appreciate him and would have voted for him in that that situation. Because you have to understand the time and you have to fight the battles that are before you. And he was the only one who had enough spine to do that. I get that. But DeSantis not only fought the battles, he stood on principle better. And that's why. And then I think you have the fruit that, you know, Florida has the most people, the most wealth flooding into the into the state in the nation. There's a lot of things to like about him. It's not a stump speech for DeSantis. I you know, I you make up your mind on that situation. I'm just trying to get at the fact that we we need to have a better way of judging fruit. It can't be mm-hmm. just random feelings, blind allegiance to somebody, unjust weight and measures. We have to use the scriptures to understand mm-hmm. these things. And this is a perfect opportunity, this story yeah. to touch this is on where these Christians things. this is where Christians were blind in 2015 when Trudeau first won. Because yes. I remember Christians making the argument for him because of social justice and caring for the poor. And yes. if, Christian, if Christians exercised a little more judgment in who he is, where he comes from, and the party he's about, perhaps they would have voted differently. So just a couple few things to wrap up the story before we move on in the mailbag. The mm-hmm. first one is this. The Lord hates divorce. Mm-hmm. Because it is the breaking of a covenant made between a man and a woman, which is supposed to be a lifelong covenant between one man and one woman. Sorry, transagenda, you're wrong. So the Lord hates divorce. So ultimately, what what would be most glorious would be if the Lord in his mercy were to save the Trudeau family and then restore their relationship for the sake of their children and ultimately for the good of their family. And I think it's appropriate for us to pray to that end. 
right? When we're called by the Lord to pray for leaders and rulers, this, this includes this. We are to pray that God would correct them and rebuke them, that he would lead them to repentance, that he would show them their sin and their need for Christ, and that ultimately through that he would repair and restore their marriage and their relationship for the good of their family and especially for the well-being of their children. So I think it's appropriate for us to pray for that and to ask the Lord to be merciful to them because the more and more our leaders line their lives up with God's laws and commands and submit to him in faith, the better it is for us and for the rest of our country. So that's the first thing. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention that this is how we need to approach this as believers. The second thing is this, just to close off this section. Justin Trudeau also posted this on social media. For the well-being of our children, we ask that you respect our and their privacy. Um, absolutely not. I'm not talking about the kids. No one should be bugging the kids. No one should be, no reporter should be sticking microphones in the kids' faces. But this, friends, is monumental irony, considering that he had no problem forcing people to disclose their own private and personal information about healthcare decisions in order to board a plane, to work a government job, to travel in between provinces, and to serve in the military. How about the privacy of our children who were forced to disclose their personal private medical information if they wanted to play on sports teams or go out to restaurants? The truth is this. If you're a public figure, you are open to public scrutiny. And if you don't like it, get out of public office. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't want to be scrutinized heavily, as he mm -hmm. should, and if he doesn't want to be criticized heavily, as he should, he needs to resign and remove himself from public office altogether. And the audacity of a man to say, please respect our privacy, when he cared this much for the privacy of Canadians in the last three years, where he wouldn't, let, he wouldn't let truck drivers come back over the border, who were the heroes of the pandemic at the beginning, without disclosing their personal private medical information, is the greatest kind of hypocrisy mm -hmm. and he should not be afforded that kind of privacy and that kind of respect i'm sorry his yeah. wife and his kids for sure but the prime minister no 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 he needs to be called out on it and we need to poke and prod because like you said matt if he's a disqualified husband and father he is a disqualified leader mm -hmm. and we need to know that so that we can make those decisions and hopefully this will lead more and more people to say, "This is why we can't vote for him. We can't vote for him because he can't. He can't do. He can't take care of his own family. How's he going to take care of our nation?" And and this type of hypocrisy, Andrew, that we're pointing out, does matter. And this is part of the game, right? This is notice. Notice all of a sudden that they're really worried about decorum. They're really worried about privacy. The left is really, really worried about morality. You need to be a decent human being, right? Now now that their ideological companion or themselves are in the crosshair, they're like, oh, we have to be nice. We have to be well-mannered. We have to rigorously demand decency from every single person. And then we'll turn around and slander anybody who says, uh, who acts 
you know, out of step with the way that we think they should act as being the worst human beings in the world, being no good, very bad, terrible. And that's the game that's being played here. And we have to remember these people don't even have a standard by which to judge right and wrong. They're leftists. They believe everything's relative. So if they call you a jerk or a meanie, say, by what standard? Who cares? Like, I'm a bag of protoplasm floating around a universe that doesn't care in your worldview. Why should I be moral? Give me a reason based on your own world worldview presuppositions that I should act this certain way. No, they have to borrow from the Christian worldview to do that. But the Christian worldview then applied to the situation. What does it do? It exposes Justin Trudeau for the hypocrite and the failed leader that he is. So anyways, let's 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 move on and get to our mailbag. But before we do. If you're incentivized to do something, you will do more of that thing. If you have non-registered assets in Canada, there's no incentive to keep them here and expose them to increasing political risk, including asset freezes. While the mainstream media tells us not to worry and assures us that the federal government would never invoke the Emergencies Act again, we're not too sure about that. It is essential that you protect your non-registered assets, and our friends at Rocklink have some excellent ideas to help you move some of your non-registered assets offshore into one of the safest jurisdictions in the world. So, why don't you email Rocklink at info at rocklink.com or visit them, www.rocklink.com. That's link with a C. It's mailbag time again. Beautiful. I it's, like it's mailbag It's been time. a while, Andrew, and I'm excited to get into it's the mailbag. It's been a while. Because the, the great part of the mailbag is I kind of just read the questions and I sling them at you most of the time. So you're the guy on the hot seat. But anyways, uh, we do always appreciate hearing from our listeners and our viewers. And we would just suggest if you want one of your questions read on the air, and interacted with mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com. We always love to interact with you. So I would encourage you to do that. So, Andrew, first question. Aaron asks this. In a recent podcast, Andrew, that's you, stated that cathedrals and beautiful things we create now on the earth will still be around or preserved after the Lord judges and redeems the earth. What would be your biblical reason for believing this? I would have thought that the passage Andrew referenced, 2 Peter 3, 10 through 13, would have been evidence against this, as Peter specifically says that the earth and its works will be burned up. How and why would any uh, thing man-made survive the intense heat and burning which will occur during the earth's destruction Thanks for all you are doing. That's a great question mm -hmm. uh, by Aaron. Thank you. So the, the short answer is I don't think Peter's talking about literal fire. That's the first thing. But let me let me just clear this up a little bit. Let's look at the context earlier in 2 Peter. So that's 2 Peter 3, 10 and 13. Let's go up just a little bit to verses 5 and 7. This is what Peter writes. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and 
perished. Hold on to that for a sec. By the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So Peter tells us that the earth will basically be, be burned up or it's being stored up for fire in the same way that the earth experienced the flood all the way back in Genesis. Now, the flood destroyed the earth, true, but it was a purification, right? So the flood didn't actually destroy the earth and all vegetation's gone and it's just the earth was wiped out and God gave a new one. It was a removal of sin. It was this cleansing. Mm. So God didn't erase the earth and make a new one. So that's the first thing that the context that Peter gives of the flood. And he, if he uses the language, right, where he said that the earth perished through the flood. Well, not mm. yes and no. No in the sense that it didn't erase the earth, but yes in the sense that all of the sin and evil in humans save for knowing mm. his family was removed so that's the first thing the second thing is um you know in, in the scriptures fire is used to describe or as analogy given for purification fire purifies yeah. whether it's the refining fire in malachi where he says that his people will be refined as fire or christians being refined by fire in revelation right come be refined like gold in the fire so in the same way that God purified the earth and removed sin during the flood, so he will fully and finally purify the earth as with fire when Christ returns. I'll also say that we, we have to harmonize the scriptures. So in 1 Corinthians 15 mm. and Romans 8, Paul is clear that our physical bodies are awaiting redemption, that God will bring about a renewal of our physical bodies and what is now imperishable, sorry, what is now perishable will put on the imperishable and mm -hmm. we will get renewed bodies. And the same is true for creation. God just doesn't evaporate our bodies and give us totally brand new ones, but he takes these bodies that are marred by sin and he puts imperishable upon the perishable that our bodies themselves mm -hmm. are waiting for redemption. And I'll, I'll close by saying that the promise of God, both in Isaiah and in Revelation is not, Behold, I make all new things, but behold, I make all things new. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is the work. And it really, this is what happens in the life of a believer, mm -hmm. right? We would say that the old me is dead. The old life is gone. I've been raised to newness of life. So God takes a person who's dead to sin. He revives them and gives them new life. And he restores and redeems what sin has corrupted. He does that in the individual soul. He does that in the bodies of believers. And I think given the way fire language is used and the way Peter couches it with the flood, this is what he will do with the rest of creation. He will redeem and restore what's been marred by sin. It's not a brand new earth. It is a renewed earth yeah. once Christ returns. Yeah, no, exactly. And that progression from garden to city, right? Uh, and and how is God continuing to work through the power of his spirit through believers in the acts that they're doing? We're now 
in the image of Christ, restored to newness of life, restored to that original image that we were created that that was marred at the flood. And then the work of our hands is now being directed to godly dominion. And I have a hard time believing that those things that are done for the glory of God, for the establishment of his kingdom, would be burned up and destroyed. We have to be careful with that language, too, because Peter's specifically talking about apocalyptic situations so a lot of that language i think andrew you did a masterful job at rightly pointing out that we we have to be careful at taking that completely literal because when we're talking about apocalyptic language there is usually underlying meanings in there that we have to understand if we want to actually understand the meaning of the text in its full so that was speaking good Speaking of fire, Matt, I'm going to put your feet to it because you're back. Okay. We're going to throw okay. you right in. Kate, okay. go. I have Rosemary, questions. <laughs> that's good. Rosemary asks this question, and this is a good one. It's funny. So she emailed this. I'm pretty sure I don't want to hear you an- your answer on this. <laughs> pretty sure I don't <laughs> want to hear your answer on that's this. Fair. However, you're not the only one. <laughs> I think it's an important question issue that would be beneficial to talk about. How should a Christian view the universal child benefit? Is it stealing? What do we do with it? And is their family and the church the only place that Christians should look for financial help? That is an excellent question. Yeah, well, I think uh, just I'm going to answer that last question first. No. I mean, those are the primary means, right? Those are the institutions of welfare that God has established in his created order. The church and the family are the institutions of welfare, of well-being that God has primarily instituted. Why? Partly because of the proximity, right? Who are the people who love you and want to care for you the most in your life? Well, it tends to be your family, Lord willing in most cases, and those you have extended family relations with through Christ, which is the church, right? Um, That's the purview that's the uh, mandate given to the church to help the poor and the needy and the part of the struggle and part of the bad thing that's happened in our culture is we've alienated charity private charity and goodwill by giving it all to the state so you see the most interventionist the most status states the least religious states in the world are those states that give the least charitably to people because they basically think well the government is responsible for doing that well god does not place that responsibility on the government that's an individual responsibility and you cannot delegate that responsibility to other people so the church has a mandate to do it so we ought to take up that uh, that torch and we as individuals have a responsibility to steward our wealth well and that also comes with the responsibility to help those in need. So when it pertains to the child benefit specifically, in a Christian republic, constitutional republic, would there be a child benefit? Absolutely not. We don't believe in government intervention and redistribution by those means. Um, I have a hard time believing in this high-taxed crazy system that we live in where the government's trying to steal your money at every turn they're literally taxing the air you breathe now that you have a moral responsibility to 
um, give back that money or whatever. I would say use it, steward it well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just less money that the government's essentially stealing from you because money's fungible. Yeah, um, this is this is so for for me personally. This is so I think that it's a matter of conscience because I'm not. If we're going to get technical, I wouldn't be stealing money from anyone. And let me let me frame this here. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I, before kids, and then me, since kids, and then her for well, yeah, before marriage, and then okay, so her and I for decades have worked Mm -hmm. and we have paid unjust amount of taxes. Mm -hmm. We've also been paying into uh, CPP NEI. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, so people ask a question about employment insurance. Is it wrong to be on welfare? Well, if I'm paying into EI with every check, then if I'm fired from my job, it's employment insurance. Now it is a, Matt's addressed this. It is a little bit of a Ponzi scheme because the money's going to run out. But the reality is if I've given the state all this money or sorry, if they took it from me and say, so when you lose your job, we're going to give some of it back. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's much. I don't think that's much of an issue. So I I will look at it and say, whatever. Again, this is different for every person, but whatever amount of dollars that we would receive by way of universal child benefit, my wife and I in the 30 years, 30 plus years that we have been working that we haven't taken, we've never taken employment insurance. We've never seen and probably aren't going to see a dime of CPP and the Mm -hmm. tax money that we've spent that has been taken from us. Do I personally feel bad that they're giving me back and our family back a portion of the money that we have spent over 30 years? No, my conscience is clear. Mm -hmm. Now, some might say that's wrong. That's sinful. That's communism. We can have those discussions. But it's one thing if I'm a lazy butt who's never worked and I say, give me give me your money, I'm on the take. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to say that for 30 years, money has been taken from me and supposed to be put in some sort of investment for my benefit. And if the government's saying, here, we're going to give, it's, it's my money they're giving me back. Yeah. So my conscience in that regard is a little more clean about it, mm-hmm. but I think it'd be different from person to person. Um, yeah, we don't, so we, it, if, if you have a conscience against it, we would suggest mm-hmm. that you, I'm not sure exactly the steps that we go into it, but you have to act according to conscience because whatever is not a faith is, is sin. Um, but, and also make sure if, if, if you, if you do take the universal child benefit, don't depend on it by way of income. I definitely, that's, that's, that is, cause that is supremely unwise. Mm-hmm. So if it comes in as a bonus and you can save it or invest it or whatever, mm-hmm. or help others. Great. Yeah. You know? But if your income is, de- if your livelihood is dependent upon it, mm-hmm. oh boy, that's, you're in for a whole lot of trouble once that well dries up. Yeah. No, exactly. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's ludicrous, you know. Like I said, in in the ideal Christian um, republic, constitutional republic, yeah, they wouldn't um, take forty percent of my money. Yeah, no, the 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 taxes aren't going to be there, and this sort of thing's going to be left up to freedom of association. To it, mm-hmm. like, listen, it, 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 Tocqueville, when he was talking about the states and and how enterprising and dynamic that society was. When he was writing, the thing that stood out to him the most was the fact that 
the government didn't really have like they weren't really doing that much it like all the things that were getting done in the to build the united states were done by free individuals associating mm-hmm. with other people and creating businesses and associations and churches and institutions that were taking care of one another since the progressive era has been instituted all these things have not gotten better they've gotten far worse and they're crumbling and and we're just living off the fumes of these institutions that were put into place um that's that's part of what 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 is sad i do uh love the question rosemary uh we like i said prescriptively no would this exist uh in our form of government absolutely not um that would be left to the freedom of free people associating with whom they wish and giving charitably to whom god has put put in their sphere of influence um but I don't feel pains of conscience on on taking the tax. The tax it's an absurd amount. Uh, like I, I don't know what you get, Andrew, but we get something like four hundred and fifty dollars. Our daughter does not cost us four hundred and fifty dollars a month. That is why this is a silly redistribution scheme. But we do uh, try and earmark uh, that money for giving and for saving, so we mm-hmm. can help other people and other uh, people's yeah. children with it. So, so this, uh, this last question, it's, it's been a little bit of a serious heavy or kind of episode. So this last, now say this, that the person <laughs> who asked this question might have been totally serious about it, in which case <laughs> I apologize, but nevertheless, this is what Calg writes. And I don't know if that's a real name or not. If it is great. If, the, if someone was just writing this into troll, well done. If not, Great. Okay, so here's the question. I don't like the name Christian Week, W-E-E-K, because it sounds like Christian Week, W-E-A-K. Yeah. And it sends a bad message out into the world. Something like Christian Strong, brackets, strength and power, would be better. So it's not even a quite a comment. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. I mean, so I, uh, I, I don't. I don't know how good a new news organization called Christian Strong would be. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't I don't know. I'm. <laughs> I mean, between they the would two still options, think you were Christian. Uh, yeah, fascist between or Christian whatever. Strong anyway. and Christian Weak. <laughs> yeah, I think I like Christian Weak better. Mm-hmm. Um, I like mean, Newsweek, Newsweek, Christian Weak. Yeah, but Calg. Thank you for thinking, thinking in, <laughs> in different ways. And I do appreciate the sentiment. I do mm-hmm. appreciate the fact that yes, Christians do need to stop the weak need nonsense and mm-hmm. be the church militant and fight the battles that are put before us. Because mm-hmm. again, to go back to the Trump thing, and this is what so many of the big evangelifish, uh, you know, the, TGC, they don't understand what people admired in Trump is that he was a bare knuckle brawler. He was fighting the cultural battles that institutional conservatives had failed to fight and refused to fight time and time and time again. This is what conservatives, politicians who consider themselves conservatives fail to understand over and over again. People want a voice. 
People want a champion. People want somebody who will represent them in the public, in the civil realm. Okay? Politics isn't just a number game. It's a game of courage, of conviction. It is a game of exercising political will in a Christian understanding for the betterment of your neighbor and the expansion of the kingdom and the glory of God in the public realm. Sometimes you have to be the John the Baptist who say you cannot do that and you get your head cut off. That's still a good thing. You're still a prophet. You're still preaching righteousness. Sometimes you have to be a failed politician who's screaming into the wind saying, this is not good. This is not right. And guess what? If you don't get elected, at least you gave a voice to so many people who have felt disenfranchised. And that's why we're calling on Christians, on social conservatives to stand up and speak out in the culture now because Yes, you might get your head cut off. Yes, you might not get elected. But guess what? You get to represent a goodly amount of people across this country who feel disenfranchised, who don't have their voice heard, who don't have hope in change. And that's where I think a lot of this nihilistic attitude that I saw in that post that Mike posted come from is we have changed. We have so degraded the standard. We have... um, ghettoized ourselves as Christians in our culture that we feel hopeless because we've let uh, we've let ungodly people run roughshod over our civilization and now we're seeing the awful fruits thereof but you don't change something by just continuing to do the same thing and be quiescent and grumpy and just retreat you only are going to change things by doing godly work in the areas that you want to see change. And I always appreciate Doug Wilson when he says, if you, if there's an area in your life where you're constantly complaining about something not being done right, or like if you're sitting under a preacher and you're like, man, this preacher's application is terrible. Maybe God's calling you to not just be a grump, but to actually exercise that muscle, to stand up and preach. Or if you are angry about the direction of our country, well, maybe God's putting a call on your life to just stop bellyaching and get active. Start pushing back. These are things that I want our audience to consider. Well, that was a good good episode for you to come back to. And was, yes, uh, absolutely. <laughs> it was, it's it was good a to good be back. One. Yeah. yeah, it's good to be back. Take us home, Matt. Well, everybody, it's been a while, but as we say at the end of every program, Galatians 5-1. God bless. Thanks for tuning in to Liberty Dispatch, a united front to restore liberty and justice in Canada. Please subscribe to our podcast and Rumble channel, as well as visit our website at www.LibertyCoalitionCanada.com. When I grow up, I want to work for a woke company. Like super woke. When I grow up. When I grow up, I want to be hired based on what I look like. Rather than my skills. I want to be judged by my political beliefs. I want to get promoted based on my chromosomes. When I grow up, I want to be offended by my coworkers and walk around the office on eggshells and have my words policed by HR. Words like grandfather, peanut gallery, 
Long time no see. No can do. When I grow up, I want to be obsessed with emotional safety and do workplace sensitivity training all day long. When I grow up, I want to climb the corporate ladder. Just by following the crowd. I want to be a conformist. I want to weaponize my pronouns. What are pronouns? It's time to grow up and get back to work. Introducing the number one woke-free job board in America, redballoon.work.